0: Welcome to Q&A Selling Online, with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm.
1: Welcome, everyone. Today, we have a guest who is a seven-figure Amazon seller and a serial entrepreneur. He is also the co-founder of the Marketplace Superheroes, an education platform that teaches members how to create five- to seven-figure income streams selling products on Amazon. Our guest today is Stephen Summers. How's it going?
0: Going very well. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the conversation today, and hopefully I can add as much value in the time that we have available. So let's get rocking, Quinn.
1: Let's start with you. You used to be an employee. and When was the last time that you were an employee?
0: Yeah. So now it's almost 10 years at this point. So, you know, I think it was 2010 when I started, so that's nine years. So yeah, nine years when I started the business, but of course I kind of, before that was almost quitting, getting there. So I guess nine years officially now and uh, yeah, I haven't looked back since. So I know what the feeling is of actually jumping
1: out and not looking back, but, up uh, in my experience, it was yeah. not easy to let go. Was that easy for you? Do you have some
0: hard times? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the opposite of easy, <laughs> very hard <laughs> because you know, I came from a background where my, my family were not necessarily entrepreneurial in nature. My parents were great people, but were not business owners. So, my whole life, you know, I, I, I was in a situation where I was say I always said, Look, I was in the music industry originally, and said, If the music doesn't work out, I'll do business, so you can probably guess the music didn't work out. <laughs> so I'm sitting here today, uh, but you know, in a situation where didn't have that background, and yeah, I, I wanted to get into business after my the music didn't work out, and of course, everybody around me told me you're crazy, uh, don't do it. You know, it's the biggest mistake you're ever going to make. You should never go into business. People like us don't go into business. All that kind of stuff. So, uh, very much from a, from a mindset oriented standpoint very, very difficult because I didn't have the belief system of, of a business owner. And also, I didn't have the skills of a business owner. I had never ran a business before. And so, yeah, like they were the big things that held me back, certainly. And I, I got fortunate in that I after asking around, uh, when I figured out I wanted to get into selling products online, physical products, I, I was lucky in that I met this guy, Robert, through my aunt. And uh, Robert had that business selling products on places like Amazon and eBay in Europe only at the time. And so for me, I was lucky. He said, look, uh, come in, I'll show you how things work and we'll go from there. And so I had my job. I took a vacation to go learn with this guy for a week, went to his warehouse, saw products being sold and shipping out. And, you know, I really at that age, in my early 20s, for the first time I said, wow, this is something that's real. It's not like all this online stuff that I've been Googling and buying and getting ripped off, right? So that was my kind of breakthrough really because it allowed me to go, wow, I have a mentor now who I can begin to learn from and I don't have all the answers today, but I know that if I just stick with this guy and I do what he tells me, eventually I'll get some success. And of course, you know, we have had that success and we're still business partners to this day, which, which we'll chat about. So that was my breakthrough really, Quinn. Perfect. So did you have that feeling
1: that was like your nine to five was crushing your dreams or you just didn't want to wake up to go to work there or was it really the entrepreneurial bug that was kind of biting you?
0: Yeah, a lot of people laugh when I tell my story because people who are a little bit older than me, they say, oh, you were only in your early 20s. You didn't experience life at all and all of that, which I, I totally understand why people say that. But to me at the time, I can only I can only, you can only say how you feel at the time and for me you know working in a job I loved the people I was working with but that job was really strangling my 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 want to do things for myself and I always said as I mentioned earlier I'd get into business if music doesn't work out because in the music that industry I'd been in you know trying to make it whatever that means these days I guess yeah. I was entrepreneurial in nature I was doing gigs all the time I was we're filling those gigs and all of that. And so I wanted to take that to the business world and actually do something for me because I've always been a driven person. And, and I suppose being someone who's driven, you want to try and be in a situation where you're going to making money for yourself. And I've been like, like, since I'm a kid, I've been like that shoveling driveways and driveways and all that kind of stuff, you know? So being in a job really it went against my nature of wanting to have freedom, wanting to have the ability to, to do these things for myself. But I think my biggest barrier at the time was, well, I didn't have any business-specific knowledge. I'd never had a business that paid me full-time before. So that, that fear of, wow, I have to jump from job where I get paid every month or whatever, to uncertainty, that's obviously a big a big fear. So while the job was crushing my happiness, ultimately I had to make a big leap across to the other side of uncertainty and all of that, Mm -hmm. Uh, which again, you know, now looking back with all the knowledge of business that I have after building multiple companies at this point, I know now that it all comes down to who you're learning from, uh, that they've had success. And when you just really lean into a person who's your mentor, you're gonna get you're gonna get some form of success that way. The, the worst idea possible w- was what I used to do, which was trying to piece things together from different videos online, or different articles, or different bits and bobs, uh, you know. And that's partly the reason why we've we've created our educational company now to help people like where I was, you know. Like a lot of times, you probably get this too, Quinn. You know, people look at you teaching stuff like how to sell things on Amazon, and they say, "Well, if you're so successful, why do you teach it? Why don't you just..." sell all those products yourself, you know? And I mean, for for me, I always think back to when I was younger and didn't know how to do all these things, no one was there to guide me. I got my shot when Robert said he'd guide me. And for me, it's like if we can give people that opportunity in some way, well, that would be great. Now, people will say, well, why don't you just do it for free? Well, like anything, if you gave it away for free, nobody takes that stuff seriously, which we can get into. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's kind of where I was at then.
1: No, I hear you 100%. And to to the to the point of the fear you were talking about when,
0: yeah.
1: about leaving your job and stuff like that, that's a very legit fear. And I want everybody that's listening to know that if you are afraid of leaving your job, that is absolutely normal. And oh, yeah. maybe something you should not disregard because there's a lot of people out there that say, quit your job tomorrow, start yeah. selling on Amazon. And uh you can't quit tomorrow right you need you still need to be able to feed that business so my personal opinion is you should keep it as long as you possibly can without if it doesn't interfere with i mean your growth and stuff like that right because you're going to need that money
0: you're i fully agree with that by the way i mean i think that's a brilliant point you know I, i we've seen it uh with somebody you know one of our members uh they purchased one of the products that we used to sell, one of the brands we used to sell on Amazon, we actually sold it to them because uh, we didn't have the time to focus on it because we were starting Marketplace Superheroes. And so we sold one of our brands to these people and the brand was doing really well. It was, it was selling a lot of products. And whenever we handed it over to them, uh, it was at that level. And what happened was that person decided to quit their job to start traveling. And I told them, that's don't do that because you need to focus on this brand. You need to make sure your products stay in stock. You need to be forecasting stock you know, the drill, you need to make sure these things happen. And this person didn't take my advice and they just started traveling and doing all these different things, took their eye off the ball completely and and honestly made a bit of a mess of that brand and, and therefore didn't get what they wanted. So, so there's, you know, that's a, that's just a one example, obviously for you right now, if you're listening and you want to build a business on Amazon, like Quinn said, I would not quit my job today. Why is that? Well, honestly, like when you start selling a product on Amazon at the end of the day, when you, it's going to take time to get into stock because you've got to get it produced. Uh, if you see freight, which a lot of our products we do, they're a bit bigger and things like that. And, you know, it's more profitable to see freight long term. Uh, you know, that takes time. And all these things, learning how to find products takes time. Uh, getting samples takes time. And that's all cool. So if you quit your job today, you're probably going to be sitting around for quite a while after you find the products you're going to do. And really, there's no need to. I think quitting your job is, is the goal for a lot of people. It was my goal as well. But if I, if I was able to advise myself back then now, I would just say, stay in your job because what you said as well, Quinn, is so important. You do need an income because it takes money to start a business selling physical products online, especially private label any any anything wholesale that also takes money it doesn't matter what you're doing but ultimately having that income stream is really good because it allows you to build your business and you know your expenses are going to be catered for are going to be allowed for so that allows you to build this business with with the a little bit of a safety net and that's good because no matter why you do with a product it takes time for that product to start to start ranking it takes time for that product to start working for you and so having an income is great do not, do not let anybody tell you it's not, uh, at the right time when you're making enough money, enough profit from your business that you, you want to then move from your job. Great. And that is absolutely available to everybody, but it does take time.
1: Absolutely. And the sooner you start taking money out of your business, yes. uh, the, you know, the quicker you start, uh, killing your growth right so if a lot of people that quit immediately now they they need to take the money out of the business to pay for their mortgage or their rent their car and all that stuff and now there's nothing left to grow that business and that's that's absolutely suffering. that's
0: a that's a huge point that's huge though because like everything right Uh, it's so funny like we tell a lot of people have different methodologies of selling on Amazon right so we won't get into our different ways of doing it today because at the end of the day if your method is working for you, uh, that's great. You know, so I don't ever like go head to head and all that nonsense with people. I just go, it's working for you. Fantastic. Here's what we've done. Here's what's worked for, for us. Point is that when you're when when you when you in that situation, when you're getting your business up and running, you know, you've got to understand that, as you said, it does take time. Um, you know, you do have to reinvest. And that's the biggest point. If you have a product that's selling 100 units a day and your cost price of that product is, say, five, six dollars you know that you're going to have to order anywhere from two to three months of that product. Yeah. It's great to have a successful product, but having a successful product also poses challenges, which again is why, you know, if it's Quinn, if it's us, whoever, you do need people who are, who are mentoring you, who've seen these things before, because if all of a sudden your product goes crazy, that's, that is actually also a problem because you, you use up your capital there. And and so, We've learned a lot of strategies around you know, using other people's money and things like that, but yeah. the point is uh, we often tell our, 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 new, our new sellers it's fine to have a product that only sells 5 to 10 units a day because it's manageable growth. It allows you to learn what you're doing, and sure, down the line, if you get something selling crazy units a day, 100, 200 units, it's better that happens down the line, I think.
1: Absolutely, and I'm so glad you brought that up because there's also another myth out there that is – when you get to seven figures, all your cash flow problems are gonna end. Sure. And <laughs> in reality, when stuff like that happens, now you become a seven figure seller or eight figure seller and yeah. you have products that are selling a hundred a day and you need to order sixty, seventy thousand dollars uh sea cans at a time, yeah. you're only gonna see that money back uh, a couple of months later because twenty three days crossing the ocean, you gotta pay, you know, You still do uh, 70-30 or 30-70, the payment. Yep. Basically, you're spending the money a lot before you're going to get it back. And it doesn't matter how much money you make. The, The cash flow issues are always there, right? So that's why it's very good, like you said, to use other people's money too.
0: Yeah. And again, that's, that's in itself is, a, is a, again, if I was going to give any big tip today for, for those of you guys listening, you know, one of the things we're doing as a company now with Marketplace Superheroes, we are looking at, at in, in time to offer capital to our members. We, offer, we, we have a freight company that we run ourselves. And we, I can talk about that. I'll, t- I'll tell you how it works on that. Yeah. It's been built specifically for, for sellers to, because of uh, all the, the, the hassles we've had with freight forwarders over the year. But the point is with the capital end of things, if you can utilize other people's money only to pay for things that are working and are validated That's the best way to use other people's money. I see so many people trying to use other people's money on unproven products that are just new. And it's just crazy. Whereas if you, and you might say, well, I'm selling uh, 20 units a day of this thing. Why would I use somebody else's money? Well, it's a really, really good idea because you're selling 20 a day. Use someone's money to, to, to take care of that and then use the additional capital you've freed up now to start growing your business. And that was something we didn't do Honestly, Quinn, so we were, uh, years ago that is, so we were always in this cycle when we were learning this cash flow issue that one thing was doing well and then it was flying, flying, flying. Then we were trying to get new items in. Then this one ran out of stock and we used the money to buy new things and it was a constant balancing act. Whereas when you start using other people's capital to, to basically manage validated products, now you're in a, a good situation and that's a situation where a bank or a lender, they're going to give you money for something that's working or they're not going to give you money for something that's unproven, right? Exactly. And
1: a lot of people that are afraid of the interest rate you also, you have to do is measure and see the impact it's going to have on you. If sure. if, if they, somebody's charging you 5%, 10% interest rate, your product is giving you a 25% profit. And it's better to do that than to let run out of stock because it's also mm-hmm. going to kill your momentum if you do run out of stock. So those yeah, kind of I think, things.
0: I think you have to have a longer term uh, vision as well. You know, like usually I'm talking to people who are just starting on Amazon. So we don't get into these types of conversations, but they're mm-hmm. really good. You know, I mean, a good, a really, really good conversation to have around this is, well, what's the bigger vision for your your Amazon company, you know? that was always something I struggled with, if I'm being honest. I didn't really know what the bigger vision is. But the great thing is like, you can do a couple of things. You can obviously sell brands. You can sell your Amazon company uh, if you want to. It can be difficult to sell uh, sometimes, depending on the, the brand, the business. But the one big thing you can always do in time, you can liquidate your company in the future when it's doing very well. And all that cash and things like that you've built up, you can then get that out. Uh, typically, in different countries, there's different rules, but you've got different uh, reliefs you can get from the government and stuff like that to, to take that money out. So for those of you listening, going, well, why build it anyway? It was really scaling. Like, why really build it up? They're just some of the things that you can do. And uh, we, our attorney, actually, in the US, a guy called Robert Wright, a really, really good Amazon attorney, you know, he helps companies do it all the time, but, uh, sell their businesses and stuff like that. And he, he's seen some some great results in that regard. And why was that? Because the people built it the right way and they had that longer term vision, which was I'm going to sell it eventually. But some people may never want to sell. They might want to just keep on getting that money tree, let the money tree keep on producing fruit. And at some point, if they just don't want to do the business anymore or whatever, then they can liquidate and get out that money there. So I didn't know that a long time ago. That's just something It may not sound like much advice right now. But honestly, that that's how you get money back out again. It's a It's a big thing, you know? Exactly, exactly. So, what if, if I was starting today?
1: Let me know what are kind of some of the steps I would have to do. Am I starting an LLC before my first sale? Am I trademarking before yeah. I do anything?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, there's different schools of thought in these things. You know, for us, honestly, we say LLC is very important. Uh, some people they try to go sole proprietor and change over. You know, yourself with Amazon, they're a great company and all that, but sometimes they can be funny when you're trying to change over from a sole proprietor to an LLC, mm-hmm. things can happen, right? So we start with the end in mind because if you're starting as a sole proprietor and you're just like trying to dip your toe in, you're kind of starting saying, well, I'm not going to succeed long-term anyway, so I'll just try this. So we start there. It doesn't cost very much money, certainly in the U.S., to start an LLC. We obviously have a lot of European sellers as well. who we start UK limited companies or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so a limited structure is not, not, not a big cost. But it's a great thing to do because it protects you, protects your assets and all of that. Also, it puts a message down saying, I'm going to do something with this. That's number one. Uh, We do do it before. So we we kind of have this thing whereby a lot of people say, start your Amazon account today. We don't do that because we're saying, well, if you don't know what you're going to sell, what's the point? So if we're talking about a private label business, we start with research. Uh, Our big thing at Marketplace Superheroes is just research. We spend so much time there because... At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. If you put a product into the market that is got too much competition, is not something that is, uh, you can improve upon, you can improve your offer and all of that, it's going to be very hard to, to be found organically. And obviously, even with PPC, it's going to drive up your PPC costs massively. because It's very competitive. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a very important thing. Uh, so we obviously spend a ton of time researching. So when we're getting close to finding the product, we've got a sample in all of that that's typically when people get their company because it only takes a few days. And at that point, then they're getting close to being able to place the order. So it's sort of a, it's a timeline issue. It depends, but that's how we go about it. Then when we're, when we're pretty much ready to order our product, then we begin the process of getting our Amazon account organized and all of that. Because yeah. uh, so many people like they have an Amazon account sitting there for a year and what's the point? You're not doing anything with it, you know?
1: Yes, I know. I know a lot of people like that. The the first steps are yeah. are just completely insane. Buying software. I know a lot of people that yeah. bought software and now they tell me, "Oh, I have this software, this one and this one and this one." And I started even uh email marketing software and yeah. don't have a list, yeah, uh, don't yeah. have a product. So I'm like, "What are you tracking with that software since you haven't sold in it? You haven't sold in <laughs> it." <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, again, it's, it, look, it's human nature at the end of the day. Like if mm-hmm. before I was in, in business tonight, I didn't know what I was doing. And I probably would have done all those things because let's face it, they're easy things to do. They're, they are, you feel like you're making progress. So you're confusing activity with achievement as mm-hmm. the saying goes. And I was one of those people. I'll put two of my hands up and I'll say that was me uh, because let's face it, we all want to feel like we're making progress. And I get that. I think the, the important thing, though, is, again, coming back to the softwares and stuff, you know, with the way we do our research, it's a very involved process. It takes time. We don't use a whole lot of software, so if I'm going to be totally honest. We do have our own software we've built to track research and things like that, and we do have a way of, of looking at markets and stuff like that, but honestly, like, I, I think for me, when I started researching a long time ago, I used to use tools like Terapeak. It's a great tool for eBay research. Yeah. I used to just be like, give me the hot products, you know, and that that was how I started My first product was a, a cream canvas wardrobe. I'll never forget it. And, you know, I just broke even on that thing and I was lucky to at the time. And I think that, you know, it's important to understand that it's easy to get a, a 100 top best-selling product list and just yeah. pick one and sell that. Like, that's fine. But ultimately, like, they're the products that everyone's going to try and do because they're, they're the easy way and they're going to become saturated very quickly. And so for us, you know, it's like, I don't mind if it takes me a month if it did to find a product that's fine because if I sell that thing for two three four or five years maybe that's a great use of my time and so for me and for for us well, the stuff we teach we spend a lot of time there because at the end of the day that's the bedrock of the business and you can jump around and use all the software you want but at the end of the day if your product is not solid and your products are not solid I think mm-hmm. that's another important thing you know don't just have one product have two or three Get them out there, then start testing. You know, testing optimizations and stuff like that. And I know Quinn, you're, you're talking about email marketing, and I know you talk about building funnels. We we often say it's kind of stage two for us. You know, mm-hmm. stage one for us is we validate on Amazon. Uh, we we do our work there. We do some PPC there, and then of course, once we see it's validated, it's working for us. Uh, we we start uh, bringing in those those secondary strategies. But again, everyone's pro- process is different. And yeah. I guess for us, a lot of the products that we're selling, they're very low competition. And they're not products that are selling 100, 200 units a day. They're, they're products that are selling maybe five units a day. And that's cool because we start selling those in multiple markets on Amazon. We're able to scale up our business relatively quickly uh, without having to worry about getting into crazy strategies from the from the get-go, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, Ben, thank you for that because that, that goes towards uh, what I believe as well in finding the things that not everybody's looking at right now because there's products that today may not have super, super uh, uh, competitive uh, categories or or not be the category may not be full of competitors is what I mean. Yeah. But if, if they're on the product is on the top list right now, two months from now, everybody else that's looking at it right now is going to have those products launched. Right. So, that's something that I look at as well.
0: Yeah, and again, it, yeah, it's human nature yet again, you know, it's, it, it, that is, for me, I, I remember buying a product years ago, uh, God, it must be 10 years, 11 years ago now, called Simple Product Research, you know, and it was teaching me good strategies for looking at eBay at the time and looking at, you know, what what products have their, their auctions have ended and have been successful and all this kind of stuff, you know, and all of the rest. But mm-hmm. I didn't, I just wanted, I'll just tell me what to sell and I'll just do it. Because again, I just wanted to get something up and running uh, back then. And a lot of people are the very same because we just want something, we to we'll get something on Amazon, get it selling. But, but really like being a coach mentor, giving people the right advice is you want to know something, it's better to take your time and get the right stuff out there than it is for you to rush out there because some people, they have what we call a one product obsession. They put one product onto Amazon, they watch it like a hawk, and because they have the obsession on one product, they probably found other opportunities that were less competitive, probably wouldn't sell quite as much. And they went for the overly competitive, saturated product because mentally they said, Well, that one's definitely selling, right? Because it's really competitive, so I'll get involved in that when really it's like, no, 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 you should have done the other ones. I was the very same, so I understand that, but I suppose that, that is the advice you, you really need to, as best you can, uh, take to heart, because that's the advice that's going to get you a lot more success.
1: Nice. So, let's get into a failure of yours here, maybe with a product, or I know your music career
0: failed, right? You told us <laughs> yes, certainly <earlier. we> did. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, no problem. I can I can talk about a number of different instances where products, you know, my first product, like I mentioned, was that cream canvas wardrobe. Uh, they're still sell today uh, on eBay and Amazon. And, you know, it was a mistake. It was a mistake, but not a mistake because you said something, I think, in the pre interview, pre chat we had, which you were talking about Bill Gates, right? Yeah. And they were saying, how he was saying the success is the, the worst teacher. And that's that can be very true. And, and that product, it did fail in that I got my money back but I didn't make, I didn't make a cent. And you know, it was too competitive. There were too many people selling it, but I rushed to get it into stock because I wanted something selling. So for me, that failure though, that's the reason why I began to be successful because I understood the next time I bring in a product, I'm not going to just sell something that's, that's competitive, that's too competitive. I'm going to sell something. I'm going to take a quote unquote risk Although it's, it's not that much of a risk because I've done my, my numbers as we talked about. I know I'm making a good profit on this product. I also know, worst case scenario, I can blow it out, uh, for, not for free, I blow it out at cost and I get my money back. So, you know, I don't move backwards, but I learn again. So, so again, that's the big thing. That was my first failure and it taught me a lot. It also taught me, you know, don't use the manufacturer images. That's a really bad idea. Go get, go get better images and, and a lot of other things too. I suppose another product failure at the time, we used to sell a lot of uh, TV mounts and things like that for mounting your TV onto the wall yeah. or stands and stuff like that. Uh, we don't do them anymore. They're just very competitive now. And people are selling them very cheaply. Uh, but the point is that we we just thought we can sell any of these things now because it doesn't matter. And so our supplier gave us a catalog of products, uh, different things, speaker stands, TV stands, different stuff and we just started randomly buying lots of different products they had without doing any product research because we just thought well if they're producing them then surely they're they work and of course they came into stock and some of them did okay but a lot of them didn't work they, they failed failed miserably didn't sell and the reason they didn't sell was we didn't validate the market and, it, and it, yet again those failures monetarily they cost us some money But the bigger thing is they just help us refine our research process, remind us that we have to keep looking at these things. I I can tell you another failure with a product. We actually ordered in, it was a, um, it was a, it's not a stand, it was a, for for clothes, clothes hanger, big rail, right? And it was a good product, big product. It was probably going to sell for like about 50, $50, something around that range. And so it was big, right? Therefore bulky, therefore sea freight, all of that. We typically see freight anyway. Point is, came in the stock, we didn't get a sample. Why? Because the sample was gonna cost us about three, $400. We said, ah, no, that's too much. Do an order. So of course we did an order for, I can't remember the exact order amount now, but it was probably in around anywhere from three to five grand I would say, because the cost price was relatively high. And of course they came in, we opened them up, and the join, the join, the join, the, the, the corners of the product, the, the finish was awful. It was just sort of just looked awful and very untidy, very, very bad. So there you go. Yet again, another product failure. Uh, But really, when you look at all those failures, we could have avoided all of them because we just skipped the process. And that's really what helped us refine our process. So I hope there are just some examples of some failures we've had. We've had many more, by the way. I mean, I could share a million with you, but they're, they're just some that came to mind. Nice. So, and
1: because you started and you said you do most of your uh, freight is sea freight, is that why you created, because you were getting so much business of your own, you created your freight company?
0: Yeah, no, it's a good question. We only created the freight business, about, honestly, we've been trying to create it for about three years, but only in the last year did we actually launch it officially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the story behind that one really is that we've been doing C freight for years. Robert, my business partner, even longer than I, he's been doing it for nearly 20 years now. And I suppose we've been working with freight forwarders that entire time. So whenever I started working with Robert, you know, nine years ago, started learning with him. We still use freight forwarders all the time when we were importing. And we did that right up to the time when we started Marketplace Superheroes. When we started Marketplace Superheroes, you know, the last thing on our mind was starting a freight company because what we had done is Robert had two warehouses, had lots of staff. We then used Amazon FBA, uh, their fulfillment services globally uh, to build our company. So we outsourced pretty much everything. So we are like, The last thing we want to do is go back to warehousing again. So here we were, we started Marketplace Superheroes in 2014, 2015 officially. And so we taught the the process for a number of years. And of course, we were referring people to freight forwarders all the time. What was happening? Well, people were getting charged a lot of money for freight. Sometimes the partners that we had let us down. And so three years Mm -hmm. ago, we said, look, we've got to try to do something about this. At the time, we didn't have a whole lot of capital to, to build a freight company. Costs a lot of money, and so we were using freight forwarders, and we were trying to build like a little unit within their company. And honestly, we just kept being let down because we wanted to do a very different model, which which I'll I'll explain how it works. And not no pitch or anything, just so everybody understands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so what we did was we said, let's work with these people. These freight forwarders didn't work. Uh, lots of problems there for our members, which was not good. Um, and we had to sort of you know solve those issues all the time. It was just a massive headache. So we said, look, let's get some capital together. Let's keep going and let's eventually start something. So last year, with the help of two of our partners in the U.S., they're, they're actually members of our course, Become Successful Sellers, uh, Keith and Melissa Armstrong in Texas. They agreed to help us start a warehouse in Houston, Texas. We also had another one of our members, Don McNair. He's over in the U.K. He started our, our U.K. warehouse. And so for the last year now, we've had superhero freight. And what we do is we put on our own containers uh, with all our members' products in those containers. Mm-hmm. And so we don't deal with freight forwarders in that way. We are the, the shipper. We're a consolidated network. We're not a freight forwarder, we always tell people. And the idea is, look, you won't have to pay these less than container load charges on the sea. You just put your stuff into our, into our uh, freight, into our container. People pre-buy their shipping with us. So they buy, say, five cubic meters ahead of time. They pay a a set amount of money for that. And so when the product comes in, they pay their taxes, they pay their duties, and a small fee, handling fee. They don't pay all these million and one charges that freight forwarders charge. So we've really solved that problem uh, for our members. They pay a membership for the year as well, so it helps keep things running. And the idea really, Quinn, was very simple. It was, look, if you're shipping on the sea, that's where you want to be long term. Especially if you're shipping bigger items, you can't ship them by air, you won't make any money. And so right. it's like, let's solve the problem rather than just keep them referring people. So, you know, we've got about, I think about 520 of our members uh, are in that now. And, you know, they're shipping and we have a freight app online and all these cool things. And I guess, you know, for us, if that's something, for us as well as a company, it's nice that our members' success directly impacts our long-term success. Mm-hmm. If our members aren't successful, they're not going to keep shipping, uh, and the thing doesn't work. So it's good that we're in it together with our members. So
1: when you say uh, your members are in it, I guess when the the members are the ones that sign up and take your your training. Yeah. Uh, so can anybody? Let's say if I was interested in, and I would say, hey, uh, I have three pallets coming two months from now. Can I fit them in your secan?
0: Yeah. So basically how we do that is uh, we, we usually up until now, honestly, we only had it available to members who are in our paid programs, but we're actually opening it up now to people outside the civilians in the outside yeah. world. Uh, you know, because again, it's, it's a company of its own now, really. And so how that would work is kind of simple. Basically we charge $497 four hundred ninety seven to join for the year for 12 months Then people, they would pre-buy. So let's say you had two pallets. Roughly, that's four cubic meters. Roughly, it's two cubic meters for a pallet-ish. Yeah. So about four cubic meters. So you'd buy like five cube with us. I can't remember the exact fee now. I think it's about nine hundred dollars or something like that. Uh, and then basically, um, you would then connect us with your supplier. So when you when you place your order to produce those goods, you, you connect us with your supplier, and then basically we deal with your supplier. We help get your goods to our uh, our, our our warehouses in China. We consolidate the freight bring it over so that's at a basic level how it works we've, we've we've full training and all that inside our app and everything else awesome so
1: you know there's something I really liked about about you guys and you and your in your partner uh, on your website uh, when you look at uh, Robert's profile it says there that Robert has generated between 10 20 million in in sales with yeah. a profit of approximately 20 to 30 percent. Yep. And when I see numbers like this, uh, immediately it immediately strikes me of okay, these are real sellers that actually know their numbers. Yes. Cuz I often and that's something that really bothers me is uh, hearing somebody speak about their uh, their profits <laughs> and their margins and yeah, yeah, somebody yeah. saying for example, I hear stuff like I get 250% margins. Well, that th- that doesn't yeah. exist. No, you can't do that. <laughs> that doesn't exist. There's nothing above 100%. Plus, in the real world, I doubt that there's anything above 80% of when it comes to margins.
0: Yeah, and I think as well, that's a, sort of one, another conversation, right? Because it's like we have two different ways we look at percentages of profit, right? So the first one we have is we call profit on uh, POI, right? Profit on investment, and we've got POR, profit on return. So our mm-hmm. profit on investment is the percentage increase of our invested amount. So, so we would look for a POI of 100%. So we're doubling our money. But our POR is what is that that profit? What is that a percentage of the sales price? So if you're selling something for $20, dollars we look for about a 30% POR. After all fees are paid. So we're looking for about a $6 in your hand. That's what I have as my profit. That's what we're looking for. And and we've built software and everything to allow for all those things because you know as well, Quinn. People say things like, "Oh, Amazon just takes all your all your margin, takes all your money." It's like, well, no, it doesn't. Amazon, in my opinion, even my well, my accountants always say to us they seem to take a lot of a lot of money there from you. But I always say, hold on a second. You're leveraging a global workforce, a global warehouse network, and you really only like you do pay storage. I know. But again, with our freight company, that's something we offset. We don't charge as much as Amazon for storage, so we can offset those things. The point is, you really only pay for when you make a sale. You do pay storage, I know that. But the yeah. point is, like when you bear those things in mind, like you've got a variable cost structure, variable cost structure with a global company uh, that, that opens you up to millions of their customers. Like the fees in Amazon, I think are they're pretty fair. Uh, I think you know, uh, for all that you're getting, really. And I suppose the other side of that is, well, if you wanted to have a global uh, warehouse network, if you wanted all that customer support, you wanted all those things in your own company that you own, just think of how much money that would cost to run for a business on their own. Because we used to do it. We used to have all the warehouse staff. We used- But we still do now with Superhero Freight. But back when we had our Amazon-specific business, I mean, we had warehousing staff. We had customer support. We had all those different things. And, you know, it was doable and all. But if you're still using FBA, you're shipping out from there. For us, it was just like, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The problem we had at the time was that intermediary position of supplier to pre-Amazon, we call it, to Amazon. That's what we solve with our superhero phrase. Because we always needed to put our stuff somewhere. So, of course, that's an issue for a lot of people. So I hope that, you know, I think we're on the same wavelength here anyway, Quinn, on that, that point.
1: Yes. Yeah, so there, there's one thing that comes to mind is when people do say that Amazon takes all my profits. And yeah. in some people's case, it may be true. Sure. When you're selling <laughs> an, a $10 item that has, <laughs> uh, you know, the 15% commission it is... Yeah. Is completely normal. It doesn't matter if you're selling a $10 item or a $100 item. But the pick and pack fee, which is a fixed fee, if you're paying $4 plus your 15%, let's say it goes up to $5, bucks, you are selling a $10 item, that's 50% gone right there. So when you're selling something very, very inexpensive, of course, in percentage, Amazon is taking all your fees.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And again, that that's another, that absolutely. And again, that comes down to something you were saying, which, you know, we're a big fan of knowing your numbers is big, but also a bigger point is whenever a lot of Amazon courses came out a long time ago, you know, the big advice always was small and light items, only sell those don't sell anything else. Right. Because, it allowed people to air freight them in quickly and all that, which we all know. But at the end of the day, like it's cool. If you can sell a small and light item that's got a high price tag, fantastic. I yeah. say, great, do it. Absolutely do it. If you can get better than a 30% POR like we talked about, if you can get at the 50 or 40 or whatever, fantastic. Because if it's small and light and it's inexpensive and you can sell it for a lot of money, hats off. At the same time, we always teach our members... You know, you know your numbers with our software. You can plumb your numbers in there. Put in how big the product is. Put in how many you're ordering. That's going to tell you your profitability to the penny before you order it. As long as you sell at that price, therefore you can order bigger products. You can order bulkier ones. That's fine. Once you know your numbers, uh, you you can be confident. And like for us, you know, we used to sell all manner of things. You know, we used to have big TV stands. Honestly, these were huge, these things were, and and they were, they were almost just within Amazon's uh, dimension allowance, you know, but, and they were very heavy too, but they were, every time we sold one, we we're making a lovely margin on those, a good cash margin, maybe not as good a percentage margin for those of you who are listening, you know, you know what I mean, right? I, might, yes. I might've got $10, but my percentage mightn't be quite as good, uh, but that's fine. You know, we, sometimes you, that happens equally like we've sold products for a hundred dollars. You know, the market told us that's what made sense for that product. It's big and bulky. That's cool. And, and honestly, at this point, when you sell those more Inverticom commas difficult products, you're going to experience minor competition because most people, they don't do them because they just want to do the small and light items. So there's a big opportunity there for bigger products globally as well. I, I agree 100%. You know, we can still find... Uh,
1: a lot of people teaching those exact same things, just yeah. stick with the small and light, uh, mm-hmm. non-breakable, get away from electronics, all that stuff. And per- personally, I, I don't like electronics either. But yeah. I, fi- mm-hmm. I find that if we go into what you mentioned, the, the dollar profit instead of the margin profit, yeah. and you can find certain items that instead of selling 10 or 15 a day, they sell one a day, but gives me a hundred dollar profit. Yeah, it like, doesn't matter, I can do those all day, right? It's well,
0: yeah, great, <laughs> you know, what exactly. I mean, it's all numbers, absolutely.
1: Yeah, with a, with a two or three percent return rate on something like that, it's going to take six months before I get a return. It, it's just, uh, there's a lot of benefits and there's a lot of risks, of course, to storing too many of something that's huge.
0: Absolutely. I, I, that, and that's a big thing you have to consider for sure, you know, and, and typically if you're ordering bigger, bulkier items, you're typically going to have a lower minimum order quantity anyway, because, you know, obviously with the supplier, you know, they don't expect you to order quite as much. That's not always the case, uh, but that can be the case. But yeah, I mean, and I also think as well, when you, especially no matter what level you're at really in this business, I think your the partners, the people you outsource to, are very important because Amazon, you're outsourcing a lot of things too. We know they're a quality company. They're great. I see stories all the time. I'm telling you, this is a true story. I, I, she is now a member of our community. Uh, she wasn't, I will make it clear, when I first spoke to her, she told me, like, she ordered something, like, it was like only two cube or three cube or something like that. It was a tiny order, a little bit over a pallet. And, you know, she she paid, she told me, uh, she said I paid freight fee of nearly $5,000 for this. Which I was like, this makes no sense though because you have to divide that out and understand you could not make any profit. You're losing on every unit. Yeah, yeah. Lady, you know, she was piecing stuff together with YouTube and all the rest and didn't, you know, just got in over her head, worked with a bad outsource partner and unfortunately paid astronomical amount of money for her freight and that really you know things like that really mm. annoy me but also motivate me and, and us as a business now to really help people because at the end of the day that, that's crazy you know and unfortunately there's a lot of outsourced partners they don't care how much money you make because they're like well look we'll make some money today and who, who knows if they'll be back for us and for, for people like yourself as well Quinn I'm sure like mm-hmm. the ongoing relationship with your clients it's all about you have to be successful because if you're not well then we can't be successful long-term right
1: absolutely so i i like how passionate you really are about this and how how you you actually care and i know you want to build the the number one platform for entrepreneurs to come and create their business and learn with people that have actually done it that's what i appreciate yeah so how do you do you have any plans on what's your plan for for growing this to like the number one platform
0: well you know that's always the the mission right and that's the goal and i suppose for us now as a business you know we're we're in this amazon world and our our, our intention is to really keep going deep with this and the way we're doing that actually at the moment internally is we're partnering with a lot of people who are members sometimes sometimes other experts and things like that who we know, we've worked with, we've vetted, uh, and, and they're bringing new things to our community. You know, like for us, we, we have a lot of our success in research, in doing mm-hmm. simple Amazon PPC, growing our business globally. But equally, like there's people like yourself, uh, Quinn, you know, you talk about things like email marketing, building funnels. So that would, that's what I would call a brand. We call it the marketplace model that we teach using Amazon and marketplace to start your business. Then you've got the brand model, which is going deep on your brand, going heavy on your brand, getting it outside of Amazon in order to build your brand up. And so that's the area now we're bringing a lot of people in uh, to, to partner with because there's people out there even better than us in that area. So we're bringing that to help our members. So that's kind of key, key number two. And then it's really just having more services. We're building a company called Superhero Office right now which is gonna be a CPA services and accounting services for our members. And so our, our goal is really just to keep on building more of those billing softwares that our members can use. And then just keep on going and see see where it takes us and see how far we can help our members get to.
1: Nice, nice. So your, your CPA, I'm guessing, is just gonna be for uh, US-based businesses?
0: It'll be for US and it'll be for European-based, you know, we have a whole training we could do on European selling, but one of the things that typically happens is, a lot of even non-Europeans, they start a UK limited company, why UK? It's because where Amazon is located in Europe. It's the easiest place to locate English-speaking. And again, that's, this is not tax or advice or anything. I'm just saying what we see a lot of people do. So we have a UK arm of that because a lot of people utilize the, the UK side. So yeah, the US side we're figuring out because, you know, there's a lot of different filing requirements for different states and stuff like that. So we're just figuring that out with a couple of partners at the moment. But once the kinks, the kinks get sorted there, it'll be an online portal where you can basically... Uh, connect your Amazon account, you can connect your bank account and it'll bring in your purchases, your, your sales, and then our team will come in and basically sort out your bookkeeping. So there's a lot of stuff like that we're trying to do. We have got a full-time software team in Ukraine who actually work with us now as well. So that helps us produce all these things. So you know, we're basically putting all the money we make uh, from our coaching education back into the business to help people to make things better. And I, and that's an important thing, you know. I think if you're if you're a coach, kind of like you talked about earlier, Quinn. If you're if you're taking money out of the business too early, and if all you're doing is taking from a business, well, it's not going to survive for very long. And okay. especially with us, you know, we know that. So we know we have we we want to keep on building these things because I've spoken to a lot of other people who teach this stuff, and it's cool. A lot of people don't want to build services. It's complicated. It's hard. It's tricky. Uh, but you know, we like it because that's where we feel like we're really helping people long-term, you know?
1: Very good. How much, what percent of your business do you think is from um, Amazon Europe?
0: Yeah. So really I would say 60% of our, probably it depends really on the product. It's kind of hard to say, but overall I would say it's probably 50, 50 now at this point with Europe and us, but I say Europe because I would say that would be UK, Germany, France, Italy, Spain, are the main markets right now? You can sell in all of those from one Amazon uh, account, as you probably know, with the European, uh, the EFN, the European Fulfillment Network. So it's probably fifty-fifty. But obviously, if you were to break it up, like the US would, this would be the biggest market. Uh, the UK is probably number two. Germany, probably number three. Honestly, like countries like Italy and Spain, they're still growing. They're still developing. And there's new markets like Holland and Poland coming in and stuff like that. These markets will take time to grow. But the great thing about them is they're non-competitive. Like they're really not as competitive as, uh, as uh, at all because most people, they only really want to sell on amazon.com. A lot of people are afraid of Europe actually uh, for for you know vat and brexit and all these things which aren't really that big an issue but you know when you're when you've not been in business they seem terrifying but really that's another reason why we build all these services to make it easier for people to transition so yeah about 50-50 us is still a big market a huge market uh, i think people who say amazon saturated are crazy i mean i think certain products are very competitive but to say amazon is saturated Makes no sense when you consider you know 13 percent of, of retail sales are only made online now Amazon makes a big percentage of those but still like there's a lot of people going to move online uh, going to, and then going to move on to Amazon to buy things so you know in my opinion globally the opportunity is is definitely getting bigger and bigger uh, of course if you were to only sell in one market that's fine but you're you know to me it's like well if I can sell globally why wouldn't I and maybe that's the European in me. Looking from a little country like Ireland out to the world, that's probably where we get that from. But I mean, it makes complete sense. Again, having good partners is important, but it's not something that's impossible. It's very, very possible.
1: Yeah, I believe so too. And it's, uh, I guess, I don't know. Maybe it is uh, the, the the European and you just like the European and me because where I was in Portugal, there's
0: yeah.
1: uh, not even any online marketplace yet, so right. there's no no. Amazon
0: no eBay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But again, and, and again, the, the other side of that is when you think about it, you know, you think of a country like say Spain, very close to Portugal, a slightly different language, of course, but you know, a relatively speaking, a close country, uh, as you know, like I'm sure a lot, of, a lot of Portuguese people would buy from say, Amazon Spain, they might buy from amazon.co.uk, they might buy from amazon.com. But the point entirely is like, you know, if you're, if you're in Germany, Austrian customers are buying from Germany. And so like that's the thing. There's all these neighboring countries buying as well, which just gives you this big market. And also, it's important from a, a corporate structure, as you understand that, because if you go into Europe with a non-European business, so an LLC or something like that, US LLC, well, you're going to be in a situation where every time you make a sale in a different country, you have to register for VAT, which is why we... We get we give people help with that kind of stuff with our, our accounting partners as well because you gotta know what you're doing going in. It's again it's not to scare anybody. It's just like look, set up set things up the right way from day from day one and you're not gonna have these issues down the line. Whereas you skip these things, they're gonna become a pain down the line. So it's and it's not a big cost these things. are very low cost.
1: And so you have about thirty eight hundred members on the marketplace superheroes. Yeah. If uh, people listening to us, if they want to join, if they want to learn more about you and your businesses, where do they go to find you?
0: Yeah, just go to marketplacesuperheroes.com. I mean, you're spelling heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Everyone leaves out the E. Um, I guess I probably used this (laughs) before I had a website on it. Uh, So marketplacesuperheroes.com. And then typically, look, there's just free education always on the site. You know, I always point people there. You can go to marketplacesuperheroes.com forward slash next-generation if you wanna watch a web class. But look, there's free training there. Check out the YouTube channel, there's a lot of stuff for free. Uh, we give value first, just like yourself. And if, if, if our model suits you, if you think it sounds good, great. Um, but equally, I just say, no matter who you learn from, make sure you learn from someone who knows what they're doing and you can actually contact them in some way. I think just learning, piecing stuff together from videos is a very difficult strategy. You don't have any help or support that you can get. So I don't care who you learn from. Just learn from somebody who knows what they're doing. But yeah, MarketplaceSuperheroes.com, best place to go.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much for your time, Stephen. I I mean, I, I really appreciate this. Uh, this was super fun. And I love how genuine you are and real passionate you are about this.
0: Thanks, man. I really enjoyed my time. and I just hope people got value. And hopefully we'll speak again sometime.
1: Yes, sir. We will. Awesome. All right, man. Thanks. Thank you.